Catchy tune, yeah? Welcome, everybody, to New Anthem Church. Glad you're joining us. want to extend a special welcome to those of you who are here for the very first time. And uh, those of you watching online got a great email a couple of weeks ago about some folks watching all the way in Canada. So that's awesome that uh, we, you know, through technology can spread the love of God all the way uh, into Canada. I won't make any Canadian jokes. The filter caught that, so you're welcome. Hey, we're starting a brand new series today, so you picked a good Sunday to be in church. What we like to do is we like to take a book of the Bible or a topic that seems relevant. We'll spend a few weeks exploring what God has to say about all those things, and uh, we're kicking this off with this series called Stay Positive. Now, Anytime as a pastor you put together a message series or oftentimes even a message, uh, there are times where it feels like God is going to speak through me in this series or in that message or whatever. And I just really feel uh, like God's going to use that for his glory in some capacity. And then there's other times where you're preparing and it feels like God's speaking to you as a pastor. This is definitely one of those series where God is speaking to me. Nobody has ever accused me of being one of those guys that's just like super positive all the time. Uh, If you know me well, you understand that. I'm fairly introverted. Uh, Sometimes that comes across differently than what I intend. Uh, I've got some great friends, though, who are all those positive people. Does anybody else know one of those people that's just like super positive all the time? Nothing can bring them down. And uh, yeah, you hate those people for that. Uh, Typically, you just want to punch them right in that neck meat. But here's what I am convinced of. The world needs more positivity. I mean, you look around at what's happening in the world today. We need more people like that, that are positive and energetic and bring life to any given situation. Here's what I know about most people especially those who are on the negative end of the spectrum. Somebody told me this a long time ago, and it's very, very true. Hurting people hurt people. The reason people are hurting you in your life or the reason you might not be able to be positive is because something's happening within your life. You're hurting. And it feels like, even the message that we often get in media and things like that, is if you'll just make somebody feel worse about themselves, you can feel better about yourself. It's typically the message that we get, and it's sad that it's even true. And not only do hurting people hurt people, but how often do you just hurt yourself with negative self-talk? The thoughts that run through your mind, how often in a day are those even positive at all? Typically, they're very negative. My life stinks. It's getting from bad to worse. Did you see the election? Did you understand the economy. Churches are closing all the time. My kids are wrecked. The teenagers are a disaster. Government is spraying poison on our crops. Like all of these negative thoughts running through our mind, we're going to hell in a handbasket. How often is it that we focus on those thoughts and not the positive ones? So our goal this next five weeks together is to stay positive. For some of us, like myself, it's to get positive. There's an old parable that goes, uh, two birds lived in a desert. They each would search for different things. One bird would search for uh, sugary, sweet flowers that it could come and suck the nectar out of. And then other bird 
would look for dying things. It's a hummingbird and a buzzard. And the parable, the moral of that parable is you get what you search for. Either you're searching for death and destruction or you're searching for positive energy and life. It's actually a very biblical principle. You'll find it in Proverbs eleven twenty seven. It reads, if you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. Don't be a buzzard. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a buzzard. Find something positive to say. Find something positive in every situation. Let's learn together how we can be positive. These next five weeks together, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about being optimistic today. We're going to be grateful. We're going to be encouraging. We're going to be enthusiastic. We're going to be confident. Like I said, today I want to speak to you on the subject of optimism. How can we be optimistic in, the, in this life? I'm optimistic this is going to be the most positive message I will ever give. So there you go. But... The real question is, how can we be optimistic in our lives? If we have all these negative influences, all these things pouring in, how can we be optimistic? Much of it has to do with how you view life. You've maybe heard about optimists and pessimists. The optimists is those who view their glass half full, or, and pessimists are those who view their glasses half empty. In Christian world, we talk about your glass being overflowing. And the optimist says, well, God's really blessing me. And the pessimist would say, man, there's going to be a huge mess to clean up. Got all this glass overflowing. How am I going to deal with this? So right out of the gates, let me tell you today, again, we're trying to figure out how we can be optimists, how we can stay positive. I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, great, more new age preaching, right? Hippie, dippy, baloney. That's not at all what we're going to be talking about. We are very much getting in the word of God to figure out how we can be optimistic. So before we get that, you might jot this down if you're taking notes. I'm not optimistic based on what I feel. I'm optimistic based on what God says. Tell you this all the time. The last thing you should trust is your feelings. How many times have you trusted your feelings? Your feelings led you to do something ridiculous. You know, people say, uh, well, pastor, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes that reason is you made a dumb decision, okay? You trusted your feelings, and you shouldn't have. You needed to trust what God says. Most of us make our decisions based on two factors. Outward influences, the people around us, how are we going to look in their eyes, or inward influences, which is how do we feel based on whatever it is we're trying to be Uh, make a decision on. What I'm advocating for is a third influencer. It's not outward. It's not inward. It's upward. I'm not optimistic based on outward feelings. I'm not optimistic based on inward feelings. I'm optimistic based on what God says, an upward feeling. So if you brought a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans is going to be towards the back of your Bible. It's after Acts, before Corinthians. I want to give you eight reasons to be optimistic from Romans 8. Why 8? There's way more in Romans 8 than just 8 because it's Romans 8, so we're going to do 8. That's just what 
I do, okay? So I'm optimistic, number one, because my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. Can you get any more fired up than that? My sins are forgiven, right? This is the greatest news in the history of the world. God doesn't hold my sins against me. I don't know about you all, but I, always, I haven't always been a pastor. My sins are many, even on a daily basis. My sins are forgiven. It's Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you're not being punished for anything. If you feel like something bad is happening in your life, there's, and you are a believer of Jesus, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Whatever is going on in your life is not punishment. Verse 2, why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit is who gives life, and He has set you free from the law of sin and death. If you are in Christ, you're forgiven. The Bible says your sins have been spread out as far as the east is from the west. God does not hold those things against you anymore. The reason you can be optimistic in life is because God's not punishing you for anything. Your sins are forgiven. Your eternity is secure in heaven with Jesus Christ and God. Greatest news in the history of the world. Here's the second thing. My mind is filled with the peace of God. The reason I'm optimistic is because my mind is filled with peace. Verse 6, the mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. This is so huge. Your mind be filled with peace. I know all of your stories, but I know many of your stories are your mind wages war on you every single day. What causes angst in your mind? For me, it's flying. Can't fly. Hate to fly. Huge angst anytime I have to take a trip. If at all possible, I will drive to my destination because I cannot stand flying whatsoever. You're cooped up in this little tin can with wings that should not stay in the air. Barring the grace of God holding it up there. I don't understand the science of it all, but it's not natural. I can tell you that. People in there all crammed up. They're sucking oxygen from somewhere. Who knows where? You're getting Ebola. I'm positive that that's going to happen on an aircraft. You have to wear some sort of mask just to get... If you're a pilot, I, God help you because I cannot deal with the airplanes. But here's what somebody told me a long time ago. They said, well, why don't you just learn to travel well? I don't know, right? I've... Because it's easier to be nervous than it is just to learn to travel well. It's easier to be anxious, right? It's much harder to decide in your mind that this is not going to bother me, that God is in control, that he's going to see me secure in to my destination. If not, point one, my eternity is secure. What if we learned how to not be anxious in our life? Because the God of the universe is on the throne and nothing going on in your life is surprising to him. What if you learned how to live that way? My contention is you'd be very optimistic about your life. Here's number three. My future victory 
is greater than my present pain. My future victory is greater than my present pain. Whatever going on in your life, your future victory far outweighs those things. It's verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You're thinking, Pastor, you have no idea what I'm going through. And in many cases, you might be very right about that. I don't know what's happening in your life, but I know what happened in this man's life. The man who wrote this, his name is Paul. He went through some very serious things. And I'm not trying to downplay yours. I'm just going to tell you what this man went through. You could read about it in 2 Corinthians 11 if you get the chance. It says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Why 40 minus one? Because 40 typically killed you. And five times he went through that. Nearly 200 whips on his back, skin being, flesh being ripped off, bleeding excessively. Five times Paul went through that. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Imagine a baseball bat being hit with it. Three times Paul has done that. Once I was pelted with stones. You'll read that in the Bible. You'll see that they thought he was dead. They just threw him outside the city a few, uh, a little while later. We don't know how much while later Paul wakes up and is like, hey, what did he start? And he leaves and starts uh, ministering to people. That happened once. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Are you seeing a pattern there? Paul lived his life in danger. The vast majority of us, it's not the case. We live in the most free country in the history of the world. The most danger we have is texting while driving or whatever it is. This man has gone through every single day of his life. Crazy danger. Verse 27, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. I would contend that most of you in this room have not been homeless, not gone without food, not had to stay outside naked in the cold, hungry, thirsty. But this man says, that far is less than my future glory. None of those things are even worth comparing to what my future is going to look like. In other words, it's ridiculously glorious if these things don't even compare to what the future holds for us. See, somehow in our American culture where it's all about us from day one, we've forgotten to realize that Jesus had to give up everything for us. He had to leave the kingdom, leave the throne that he sat on, travel to earth, and die a horrible, brutal death in order to forgive us of our sins, in order to secure us our eternal future. Paul went through all these sufferings. He says, man, I count it as a reward when I'm being persecuted because God's counted me worthy enough to be persecuted. 
And here in America, we do everything within our human power to avoid persecution. And Paul says, no, this is what gets me closer to God. You say it this way. Everybody wants to shine bright like a diamond, but very few people want to get cut in the process. You tracking with me? Sometimes bad things are going to happen in your life. Jesus said, you will be persecuted. But none of those things compare to the future he has in store for those of you who trust in him. In the, here's number four. God's spirit helps me in weakness. God's spirit helps me in weakness. It's verse 24 there in Romans 8. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We have hope. The reason you can be optimistic in your life is because you have hope. You have the one thing that everybody on this planet is searching for day in and day out, whether they're buying something, whether they're drilling wells, whether they're working hard, whatever it is, everyone is looking for the same thing, and that's hope. If you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have it. The Bible makes this clear in another passage. Listen to this, Hebrews 2.14 We are people of flesh and blood. That is why Jesus became one of us. He died to destroy the devil who had power over death, but he also died, listen to this, to rescue all of us who live each day in fear of dying. The Bible says that, that you don't have to live in fear of dying. It doesn't mean you live crazy and do uh, ignorant things that can cost you your life, it means you live in such a way that you're scared nothing. You fear nothing because you know your God. You know what he's capable of. You live with faith and you live with courage and you live obediently to the call that he's placed on your life. He's given each one of you a purpose and he's asked you to use it for his glory. And the reason that you can do that It's because you have hope that he is who he said he was. That he did what he said he would do. When you're feeling all by yourself, you know that God, Jesus, is with you. When you're hurting, the Bible says he's your comfort. When you're down, it says he holds you up. When you're alone, he's your friend. When you're weak, he is strong. That's the hope that you have. Jesus Christ, the power of God of his Holy Spirit. Again, you have what the whole world is looking for. That's legitimate hope. It's not hope in something that's ever going to betray them. It's hope in something that lasts forever. Here's number five. God's working everything in my life for good. God is working everything in my life for good. Verse 28. And we know Did you know that? And we know that in all things, all things, in the Greek that word all means all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Did you know that? The Bible says we know that in all things God's working for good 
for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I think we often forget that. We presume that in most things, God's going to somehow work this for good. But then something bad happens. And then we think, God, where, where were you in this? You're supposed to be working all things together for good. See, the reason we can be optimistic is because whatever's happening in our life, we know, Romans 8, that God is working this for good. There's a company that started in 1996 called Life is Good. You've maybe seen t-shirts, very popular company. They uh, started by selling t-shirts out of van. Two brothers up in the Boston area started selling these uh, Life is Good t-shirts. They made like six grand their first year. This year, they've uh, eclipsed a hundred million dollars in sales starting out of their van. If you're an entrepreneur, please go figure it out. Country needs more of you, but they started that way. Now they give away 10% of their income to children with special needs. The reason I share about this company with you is because they changed their language a few years ago. They used to say, you don't have to do anything, or you have to do these things, right? They'd tell their employees, no, you, you have to do this. I'm, I'm the boss. You have to do this. Now they say, you get to do these things, right? As parents, we, we play the same trick, right? No, you don't have to eat your supper. You get to, right? Or there's consequences for that. Uh, what if in your life, you changed your vocabulary to not, I have to go to work. I get to. So you want to be optimistic about your life? Change your language. I don't have to go to the store. I get to. I don't have to do laundry. I get to. I don't have to do any of these things that you do in your life. I don't have to go to school. I get to. See, you have the unique ability to move your legs move your hands and arms and fingers and you can see things and you can speak and every one of us in this room are incredibly blessed with physical health. God says you get to do these things. There's very many people in this world who don't get to do what you're doing right now, just sitting, listening to a message in a room filled with with other believers. There are people all over this world right now being killed for what we're doing right now in this room. There are other people who can't travel at all because of physical ailment, can't drive. Government imposes in on them. We have the freedom to come, gather, celebrate, worship. The reason you can be optimistic in life is because we get to do these things. We don't have to do them. See, I don't know what you're going through. But the true test of your Christianity is how you respond in those moments. Do you believe good can come from this? Whatever it is you're going through. You want to be optimistic in life? Romans 8. All things work together for good for those that love God. Number six. How do we be optimistic? If God is for me, who can be against me? reason you can be optimistic in life is because God is for you and nobody can be against you. You guys still with me this morning? Yeah. It's great, great news. Verse 32, if God is for us, who can be against us? 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. My dad's a 
police officer, now the chief of police, when I was in high school, I would often drive very fast. Who's going to give me a ticket? Right? Like that was my, I'm not saying that's the right thought process. I'm saying that happened frequently where I'd be pulled over and they'd be like, oh, sorry, you know, right? You can go. Yeah, you're fine. If the policeman is for you, who can be against you, right? We've got something even better. If God is for us, who can be against us? Yeah, people are going to say mean things to you and do mean things to you. And that's the world that we live in. Again, hurting people hurt people. So they're really hating themselves. You're not the object of that hate. They are. And so then they've got to play that out in their own life. And eventually they'll have to answer for that. But if God is for you, who can be against you? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is nobody. God is for you. What does it matter what you're going through. See, optimism allows you to be solution-oriented. Optimism says, now that I understand the problem, I can come to a solution. Being pessimistic, it just allows you to go down this deep, dark path that nobody wants to go down. God is for us. Nobody can be against us. He's working all these things together for your good and His glory. Can you change your mind? Can you be optimistic about your life. Here's number seven. Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. Jesus is praying for you. The reason you can be optimistic in life is because the Savior of the world is interceding on your behalf. Verse 34, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. The reason you can be optimistic about your life and your prayer life specifically is because God hears your prayers. Jesus prays on your behalf. When I was growing up, there was a a man that was monumentally important to my family's life. His name was Bill Scott. Bill had this unique ability that when he prayed, things happened, right? Like he had the red phone. He's like, hey, God, we need something to, and he, he prayed and And those prayers were more often than not answered. I know I've shared this story before, but my parents were looking at buying a house. They found their perfect house, the house they still live in to this day, and they really wanted this house. But it was on the kind of top end of their budget. They were trying to pray over it. They felt good. The the older couple that owned it uh, said they wanted a young family to move in there. But then uh, a man from Bueller, a farmer, came in and offered to pay cash above and beyond the asking price. Needless to say, my parents were a little discouraged about that whole event, so they, they called Bill. I said, Bill, we need you to pray for this. We want this house. Can you pray that God will, will give us this house? A few weeks go by, and nobody hears from this man in Bueller anymore. They try and get a hold of him, and it's like he ceased to exist. My parents got the house. Bill was praying for them. We have something incredibly better than Bill praying for us. We have Jesus praying for us, interceding on our behalf. Those things that you want in life, he's presenting them to God. Those temptations that you're struggling with, Jesus is up there saying, God, I remember what that was like because I've been tempted in that same way. That's a tough one. Let's work this out faster 
for your good and their glory. Same thing. Jesus is praying for you. Let that sink in. The reason you can be optimistic in life is because the Savior of the universe has not only paid your debt, He didn't just die on a cross for you. He was raised from the dead. And being alive right now in heaven, he's interceding on your behalf. It's amazing, amazing news. Last one, number eight. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. reason you can be optimistic in your life is because nothing can separate me from the love of God. It's verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter where you go, God is there. No matter what you're going through, God is there. No matter what you've done, he still loves you. God is always with you in your life. Nothing can separate you from God. Whatever it is that's happening in your life, he will not leave you. Some of you are praying right now for something. You feel like God is absent. Just because God's silent does not mean God is absent. He's very much in your life. He's very much working things together for your good. Do you have the faith and the patience to see this through to the end? God loves you. He's for you. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. How does Monday need to look different for you now? In light of these eight things from Romans 8, surely there's one of them on that list that you can focus on. I left you some blanks there at the end of your notes so you can choose something to focus on. Let me tell you what I've decided to focus on. It's actually a little bit different than these eight things. These are all good reminders, but what about something practical? Is there anything practical that we can do tomorrow in order to become more optimistic? I'm I'm thinking that there are at the supper table or before bed, what we like to do now as a family is I just ask my kids, what's something good that happened to you today? What was your favorite part of the day? See, the beauty of that is they can't give me a one-word answer. They have to tell me some sort of event, something that happened, and I can encourage them in that way or, or bring light or shed some light onto those situations. But I often ask them, what was your favorite part of the day? What is something good that happened today? Well, the Bible says that that God is our Father. So what if at the end of every single day, we just decided that we're going to start our prayers with something good that happened today? What if every morning or every evening, we start with the good, and we center our life on the good? What's something good that happened to me today? See, that's something very practical that you can start doing tomorrow. You start telling God, hey, this is what happened. Thank you for that. Thank you for bringing these people into my life, whatever it is. Remember our story about the hummingbird and the buzzard? You know what else is true about the hummingbird and the buzzard? The hummingbird always looks 
for something sweet and good. The buzzard always looks for death, and they find the things that they're looking for. You know what else is true about the hummingbird and the buzzard? The hummingbird doesn't hang out with the buzzard. The hummingbird hangs out with other hummingbirds. The hummingbird brings positivity into their life. You told your neighbor not to be a buzzard and stop hanging out with buzzards. Find positive people to put in your life. You want to be optimistic? Get optimistic people into your life. Amen, somebody. Get positivity into your life and you'll find positivity. Remember that old verse that says you reap what you sow? You want to reap some positivity? Start sowing positivity. Start sowing optimism. Start choosing to focus on these eight things that are true about your life. That God's for you. Who can be against you? That he's saved you from your sins. That your eternity is secure. That he's providing you peace in your mind. You don't have to struggle with whatever it is that you're struggling with because Jesus can give you that peace. You focus on those things. And you bring some other hummingbirds into your life. And I promise you, your life is going to look way different. What if you set that as a goal this, to the rest of this year? Because here's what I know about this time. Thanksgiving's coming up. Christmas is coming up. Family's coming in. Finals are about to happen. Everything is coming down the pipe kind of all at once. Most people, by far, take their life in this season. What I'm telling you is focus on the good. You have so much going for you in your life to focus on and be optimistic about. You get people in your life that are going to tell those things to you, speak life into you. By the end of this year, your life will look incredibly different and you'll set yourself up for success all of next year. Amen. Anybody? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for sending your son to die on our behalf, to forgive us of our sins, to secure our future. God, we often lose focus. There's so many distractions in this world right now. We focus on the negative instead of the positive. We're worried about our future as a country. We're worried about our future jobs. We're worried about finances. We're worried about our kids. We're worried, we're worried, we're worried. And yet you say, don't worry, I've got this still on my throne. I still love you. I'm still for you. I'm going to work all things together for good. God, there's people in this room right now searching for hope. They need your Holy Spirit to come speak to them, fill up their life. God, I'm praying for those people interceding on their behalf, and I know that Jesus is interceding on their behalf right now in heaven, praying for them as well. God, if there's anybody here this morning who has not trusted your son to secure this hope that they can have, if that's you this morning and you want to trust Jesus for the very first time, the Bible says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you'll be saved. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to confess in your heart. Just follow me in this prayer and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned. 
sorry I haven't kept your perfection in my life. But I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again for me. And because of that, I can be made new. Make me new. In Jesus' name. God, thank you for that life. Thank you for everyone here this morning. God, please help us leave this place on a sunny, beautiful day with optimism in our heart, positivity in our heart, because you are amazing. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.